Many, many years ago, I spent a year in prison. Now, I talk about that story a lot, but I talk about it because of how much it changed my life. Now, I understand that year in prison was like a year in a minimum security country club. Now, no prison's country club, but this prison was not for violent offenders. So it had pool tables, ice machines, a full gym. You got to go to classes if you wanted to, education. You got to learn skills and trade. And in turn, it actually wasn't really that bad. I mean, you still had barbed wires around the complex. I still had lockdown and count times. And the food wasn't so great, but overall, I really did get pretty healthy. In fact, I look at that one year in prison as a year in Bible school. Here's why. When I got into prison, everybody had to have a job. And they just so happened to be building a new dormitory for illiterate students. It was a classroom setting. And I said, hey, I'd love to teach people how to read. New dorm, new bunks, what do I have to lose? So I went through a training where I became a certified tutor, and I started to teach illiterates how to read. Every illiterate that I started to teach how to read, somehow, by divine providence, would tell me they want to learn how to read the Bible. Now, I didn't know much about the Bible and never really had read my Bible. Every time I tried to read it before I went to prison, it was like reading Chinese. I didn't understand anything that I read. But they said, hey, would you teach us how to read the Bible? I said, sure. So I started with one, then two, then 10, then 20. And the head of the dorm allowed me to actually have a Bible study every single night. So that year for me was really learning God's word and growing in my understanding of God's word. Now, these prisoners would ask me all kinds of questions about God that I had no idea about, none. And for the sake of time, I won't go down that list, but there's a whole list. They're common questions by people that don't know God, don't know who he is, don't know his heart, and they ask me all kinds of stuff. Well, I didn't know the answers. So I would go back to my bunk, I would study, and in fact, I got into a Bible study myself over at chapel where I met a lot of on-fire spiritual Christians that were real fathers. In fact, inside prison, there are some on-fire Christians that really know the word and really know how to disciple and train people. You know why? Because it's a perfect mission field and they got their whole life to do it, right? And so they're spending all, they got a lot, they got nothing but time. And they've grown and they've learned. And then new guys like me would come in and they would disciple me. And I had some awesome, awesome, awesome mentors and fathers inside prison. So for me, looking back on prison was a, actually a great thing. Because I grew, I learned, I discovered, and I really began to know the word. Something interesting happened to me in those days. When the Bible study grew to about 20 people, I started getting persecuted. And what would happen is every night when I would walk with my Bible off to the classroom, there would be groups of people that would stand there and spit on me, mock me, insult me, call me names, and basically try to get me off track and try to persecute me. And when I was in prison, I learned this very powerful scripture that I want to teach you this morning. It's 1 Peter 4.14. This is a really powerful scripture because this scripture makes it really clear that number one, when you're reproached, you're blessed. When somebody comes against you to slander you, insult you, lie about you, say negative things about you, which is going to happen, you need to understand, number one, you're blessed. 
And I taught on this word blessed last week, and what it really means is that I have become such a blessing personally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and I've become prosperous in all my ways that now I can be a blessing to someone else's life. I walk in confidence, I walk in joy, and now I'm being persecuted or reproached. I'm blessed. And here's why we're blessed. The spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That understanding that God rests upon you when you're persecuted or reproached is powerful because here's what it really means. It means that in the midst of being reproached, in the midst of being insulted, in the midst of somebody speaking negative about you, the Spirit of God is actually refreshing you and strengthening you in the process. And so actually, and I'm going to show you in a minute where Jesus said that suffering and persecution actually becomes an opportunity to testify. Okay, now you're going to understand why I'm telling you this here in just a moment. But first, make sure that you get this. When people come against you for your faith, which they will, it's inevitable. When they come against you, you need to know you're blessed. You're doing something right. You're doing something right. Okay, the spirit of God and his glory rests upon you. And on their part, Jesus has blasphemed and they're blaspheming you. But on your part, guess what? you're actually glorifying Jesus. That's why when people come against me or speak negative or say lies or slander, this church, which trust me, people have said stuff about the church, it's inevitable, and they're gonna say stuff about you. Anytime that you decide to rise up and be violent spiritually, the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and that the, violence is, the violent is trying to take what God has put inside of you. So in turn, we gotta rise up with understanding on how to counteract it. So the title of my message this morning is The Persecution Solution. God has given you answers and solutions of how to handle the persecution, okay? So this is a very powerful scripture for me. When I got out of prison, I had a whole variety of things happen. First of all, I didn't have any friends. The only friends that I had were all my old party friends that I'd go to Grateful Dead concerts with, smoke, smoke pot with, <clears throat> do drugs with, and, and party with. And so I remember I was hanging out with one of my best friends right after I got out of prison, and he was getting high. And I thought, well, okay, maybe it's okay. You know, I was very young spiritually, so I decided to also get high with him. Now, I'd been pretty fired up coming out of prison, but he was my only friend. I wanted camaraderie. I wanted to hang out. Now, let me just tell you, this wasn't like Mexican weed. This was like hydroponic kryptonite, like, knock your socks off pot. Now, I don't know why y'all are laughing. And so, now you guys have heard this story. You've heard this story. I've said it many times. And I'm not saying it just to shock you. It's the reality of what it is. This shouldn't even be shocking you in this day and age, okay? People say all the time to me, like, what, what are you going to do when they legalize pot? I'm going to do whatever the Holy Spirit tells me to do because that's what I did before. If you're looking for a right and wrong answer, wrong tree. What God wants you to do is learn to be spirit-led. See, for me, I smoked pot for about that first year while I was baptizing the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and warfaring against the enemy. Now, half the time I'd be hiding under the table in conviction, and the other time I'd be storming the gates of hell. <laughs> Eventually, the conviction won out eventually I couldn't take the conviction from the Holy Spirit anymore. And what happened was is it became a spiritual issue for me. And the Holy Spirit was saying, you don't need anything to comfort you or numb you out or make you feel better. Learn to lean on my new wine and be filled with my spirit. 
Bam! We just handled that issue. Now, you need to understand, I know everybody's in process, so there's no shame. If you're a doobie smoker and you're getting high, just confess it. Let's get it out and let's get you spirit-filled in the midst of it. Because Jesus can come and give you grace in the midst of the messiness. It's what he did for me. It's what we'll do for you. Amen. All right. So I remember sitting with my friend. I had just taken a big hit. I was flying in the sky, but under so much condemnation. I was condemned, and he could see it all over me. I was so, so buzzed. And he looked at me as he took a big bong hit. He said, bro, there's forgiveness. And he blew pot smoke all in my face. awesome. There's forgiveness, bro. There's forgiveness. And so the, <clears throat> I'm telling you that story because that basically it was a form of persecution in the name of God. Like you can do this. Don't mind your conviction. There's always forgiveness. But see, God was convicting me to the point where he was breaking it out of me. And I'll never forget that moment when my own friends that I used to hang out with and go to the clubs and the bars and party with, as soon as I made the decision that I didn't want to go that route anymore, guess what? I got no more phone calls and no more friends. They're my friends when I'm partying and hanging and drinking and clubbing. But as soon as I made the decision to draw the line in the stand, where were they? Now, a lot of those friends have come full circle after 25 years. You know, we've all grown up a little bit. And now they're looking at my life saying, wow, you never stayed the course. You really did stay fired up after 26 years. So I went to my dad's house after I got out of prison. I love my dad to no end. And I remember I was so fired up for Jesus. My dad said to my mom, he said, listen, he, this is a crutch. He just gave his life to Jesus because he went to prison. And I said, well, thank God I went to prison because if I didn't go to prison, I could have been dead or I could have killed somebody else because God rescued me and knew what I needed the most. Otherwise, I could be dead. And he said, well, this isn't going to last. I said, you watch and see. And here I am 26 years more on fire than I ever was then. Yeah. See, people are going to persecute you. People, are, even your own family and people you love are going to say things because they're not going to understand. In fact, I found more often than not when somebody actually tries to persecute me or insult me or say something negative about my faith, I'm actually having an impact on their life. So much so that they felt the need to tell me something about it, right? And so what you need to realize is that insults, persecution, lies, they're going to come. And sometimes they're going to come from the hardest of places. And you say, now, Pastor, why are you teaching on this this morning? Every so often, I have to remind you of a few important things. Number one, the spirit of this age and the devil hates Christians and will do all it can to keep you lukewarm, half-hearted, and in no way fired up for the Lord. In no way fired up for the Lord. I love what Dr. Paul Cole said yesterday. He said the devil didn't try to get Jesus, didn't tempt Jesus to do evil. Instead, he tempted Jesus to do the miraculous without his father and to be lukewarm and average. And what I want you to know is there's a, there's a dumbed down spirit of this age that says it's okay for you to be a Christian. It's okay for you to suit up, but just don't get in the game. Be a bench warmer. The devil wants you to be a Christian bench warmer. Just keep it zipped up. 
Don't be, don't be loud. Don't be violent. Don't be passionate. Don't be expressive. Be still and quiet and submissive and, and be really, really ineffective in your faith. That's what the devil wants from you is to be ineffective. But I'm telling you right now, God's got a supernatural playbook, and he wants you to get into the fight and not just be silent and be quiet. And when the enemy comes against you or people try to slander you and mock you, don't get knocked off your position. The other thing that will really numb you out and dumb you down is the news from the spirit of this age. There are a lot of things that I look at on the news that God says don't read that. There are a lot, I'm very current on world news and world affairs and things happening in our own country, but I spend a very little bit of time reading it, and I'm very careful what I get into my soul realm because the enemy wants to put fear inside of you. And those news articles and those events that are happening around the world, a lot of them will instill fear inside of you. And the fact is, is most Christians don't spend quality time reading their Bibles but they'll spend more time on social media and news outlets, and in turn, those things get inside of your soul and affect you. They affect you. So what I want you to do is I want you to know and understand that we have it pretty easy right now. We're not really being persecuted. There's atheists and Satanists, and there's people out there that are going to mock you and family members, and the more that you decide to become spiritual, the more you decide to be fired up, the enemy's going to work on overtime to drive you back through circumstances, through people, through friends, through family, through, through telling you all kinds of lies. It's inevitable. But what we're experiencing in the United States compared to China, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and many of these, Iraq, North Korea, all of these countries will kill you in a second for being a Christian or trying to proselytize. And so what I'm telling you is stay fired up. Don't get swayed by any kind of persecution that comes, but also prepare yourself. Everybody say, I'm going to prepare myself. So Jesus would tell us to prepare ourselves on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I got to go to the place where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. It's right on the Sea of Galilee, and it's on a sloping ridge where both the sides of the mountain kind of curve up, and there's a valley that goes right down to the water where thousands of people could sit and hear Jesus preach without a microphone. Okay? And Jesus preached an awesome sermon title called The Beatitudes. Now, some people don't know what the Beatitudes means. It's simply the term means blessings. And so Jesus would go down the line and he'd say, blessed are those that, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart. And he'd give all these blessings, he'd preach this awesome sermon. If you want to hear a great sermon from Jesus, go read Matthew chapter 5 and study it out. Know what it means, okay? And so Matthew chapter 5, I want to I share with you a couple of the last blessings or beatitudes that Jesus spoke over the people. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So why would we be blessed if we're persecuted? Because we're living righteous. Because we're living righteous. Now the devil will work on overtime to get you to fall back into who you used to be. But at some point, the enemy knows he's not going to trip you up in that thing he used to trip you up in. It just takes time, consistency, patience, transformation, and not giving up. So the devil could trip me up on smoking pot in the early days. But now, he doesn't stand a chance because I have no desire, and I've moved 26 years past getting high. All right? So he doesn't try to trip me up on smoking pot anymore. 
But what he will try to do is remind me of who I used to be. What he will try to do is come back and bring familiarity of the comforts that I used to find. He'll try to tell me lies. He'll try to tell me things that will get me into depression or to fall back into pornography. Now, I don't look at pornography. God has set me free from it by his grace. And I'm going to help all of you that are struggling with it to be set free and those that are coming. Okay? So the devil still will try to bring little things here and there and remind me of little things here and there. But because I've stood firm in the place of righteousness and submitted to God, I resist him and he flees. But what happens is, is when you make the decision to stand firm in righteousness, living upright, who you are in Christ, when you stand firm in that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be persecuted. It's inevitable that persecution is going to come. Now, I don't know what it's going to look like, and it may not be for a day, a week, a month, a year, or two years. But what's coming down the line and what's happening in this world, the enemy is going to use it to drive back real on-fire Christians that are living their lives upright and, in fact, even put the blame on you. When I went to Israel, there were many, many uh, Jewish tour guides that we would talk to that have overcome a lot of hatred towards Christians because Christians, the Crusaders, and many others, even some of the original Protestants, made, made Jewish, made the Jews look silly and foolish and persecuted them all in the name of Christ. So I would come full circle and, you know, we'd repent it and we would show them what our heartbeat really is. But there's people that are going to lay blame to you for being a Christian for things that are happening in this world. And what I want to tell you is that Jesus forewarned you and gave you a battle strategy. Let's talk about what some of it is. First of all, you need to know that when you're persecuted, you're blessed. Second of all, you need to understand that because of my persecution and because of my position, I get to inherit the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So now as I stand firm in my identity and who I am, and I don't get swayed when somebody says something bad about me or persecutes me or calls me names or whatever it is, instead I understand that I'm bringing heaven to earth. Jesus went through it. I can go through it and in turn be more blessed than ever before. That's what I want you to know and I want you to understand, okay? Let's continue on. Verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, lie about you, slander you, say all kinds of evil about you because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets, in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So first thing that Jesus says is, number one, it's going to happen. Number two, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. For in the very same way that happened to him and the prophets that were before us, it will happen to you. But don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Be strong and be of good courage and actually rejoice and be glad because you're being a representative of the truth. And even though people don't like it and don't like him, that's okay. By their persecution of me, in turn, what it's going to do is present an incredible opportunity for me to preach the gospel. So being persecuted is forewarned. Your reward's great in heaven. Rejoice and be glad and stay righteous. Let's everybody say that together. Stay righteous. Now, I'm not going to do a whole sermon on righteousness. When you get born again, God makes you righteous by his blood. 
He makes you perfect in his eyes. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I have all these issues. Well, what he does is he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to sanctify you. The sanctification process is where the Holy Spirit works on your issues. Bitterness, unforgiveness, addiction, fear, worry, lies, doubt, depression, whatever it is. So everybody in this room's in process. You're all in different places battling something. So am I. But I know how God sees me as a son. And because of that, I don't get knocked off my position. I realize the Holy Spirit's working on those issues. The best thing that I can do is confess it, repent, bring it to the light, and don't let shame hold me back. Listen to me. Do not let shame hold any of you back. You're in a safe house, in a safe kingdom, with a safe God who has a lot of grace and mercy upon you. All right? Let me tell you, I've failed thousands of times, 10,000 times, and I've received 10,000 times of forgiveness. Come on, guys. Break the shame. Rise up. Don't let the devil lie to you and hold you back from what he's called you to do and called you to become. All right? So Jesus, in talking about the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD, in Luke chapter 21, he starts talking about how beautiful the temple is, how ornate it is with his disciples, all the stones, how, I mean, it's incredible. When you get to go to Jerusalem and you see the old city and the Temple Mount, it is insanely incredible. Because before the Iron Age, they were bringing seven, eight ton stones quarried out from under the city as big as a bus to build the Temple Mount. When you go there, it's just absolutely incredible to see it firsthand. Now, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, and they're talking about how incredible it is. And then Jesus prophesies the destruction of the second temple, which happened about 47 years after Jesus died in 70 AD, after he was crucified and resurrected. Okay? He prophesied that the, the Israel nation would be scattered all over the world. He prophesied it before it happened that it was going to come. And the disciples say to him, well, what's going to be the sign? of the coming, of this happening, and of the end of the age. I'm paraphrasing before giving you context of what I'm about to read to you. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21, verse 9. He says, when, your heart, when you hear of wars and commotions, the first thing is, don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. Here's why. The enemy, the number one way that the enemy can get you out of position through the lies and the slander and the persecution is fear. And we have had to overcome fear like never before. And every day, we have to battle against fear. Fear of the economy, fear of what's happening around the world, fear of what's happening in politically, fear of what's happening with kids. There's all kinds of, of, of issues and struggles and challenges we all have to overcome on a daily basis. But the enemy is a terrorist, and the enemy will use people to bring fear and to terrorize people in the nations. But you are not of this world. When you're born again, you're now part of the kingdom, not the spirit of the age and the world system. So first, number one solution, make the decision now not to fall into fear or be terrorized. Jesus said it. So when all these things happen, which they're happening, and they'll continue to happen more, is the first thing is don't allow yourself to be terrorized. I think it's Proverbs 31, or thir I'm sorry, Proverbs 30, somewhere right around there. It says, the righteous are bold as a lion, but the enemy flees even when no one's pursuing. 
So people that don't know the Lord are living in fear and are going to be terrorized. But that's not you. That's not you. Okay? When you're born again, you're part of a new kingdom. You don't need to allow yourself to be terrorized. Okay? So Jesus would go on. He said, these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Okay? Verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation. It's happening. Kingdom against kingdom. It's happening. It's been happening for a long time. Great earthquakes in various places happening, been happening for a long time. Famines and pestilences. That's not new news. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. The fearful sights, meaning the things you will see on the news or in the world system around you, have an intended purpose. And the intended purpose is to bring fear into your life. So we got to stand against fear. We got to know that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind, and I don't have to be terrorized. Okay? The next thing he says in verse 12, but before all these things, everybody say, but before. And I'll paraphrase it for you. There's going to be this incredible persecution. They're going to really, really persecute God's people and the body of Christ. Now, it's happening in other nations. It's not happening so much in this nation. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fight, vote, make my voice heard, and I'm not going to use Facebook as my platform to fight you. Because Facebook is not a real conversation. There's people that will sit behind the computer and say the most argumentative fighting words, but the minute you get face-to-face with them, they're quiet and won't say a word because they know how to handle conflict. What I want to tell you is you use your social media platforms as an opportunity to promote the kingdom and God's agenda, and you always do it in love, and you always do it spirit-led, all right? And so Jesus says, before all these things happen, some crazy things are going to happen. Here's what he says. He says, verse 12, they'll lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, meaning all over the world. You'll be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But your persecution, your suffering, verse 13, will actually become an opportunity or an occasion to testify. Suffering and hardship actually provides an opportunity for me to share what's really inside of me. See, pressure doesn't make a man. It only reveals what's inside of you. And in the midst of hardship, we've been through a lot of hardship in our life. And if you've noticed, our responses have always been to respond with a testimony. When we were going into the hospital and we had lost Eden Grace, when we went in, I heard the Lord say to me, this is going to be an opportunity for a testimony from the beginning instead of the end. Because as you grow older and walk longer with the Lord, you realize no matter what comes, every situation can become an opportunity for a testimony. Your troubles and your trials and your, your hardships today can become your ministry tomorrow if you respond to them in the right way. Okay? And so when somebody comes against you or says something bad about this church, which has already happened, trust me, if you, if you start going after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders, praying in tongues, prophecy. I mean, we were at the campus last week, so proud of Nicole and Francisco and the lit team and the young adults that showed up to do campus outreach. I walked up on the group doing campus outreach right in front of the library at the university 
uh, Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi. And here's our young adults standing with these big signs that say dream interpretation. Now, let me just state a fact. No one ever, 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 no church ever, ever, ever has done that. I just don't know. I, I could just tell you, no one is standing out in front of a library saying, let's interpret your dreams. Now, to somebody that doesn't know Rock City or doesn't know Jesus or really read their Bible, that's going to be crazy. They're going to think it's totally weird. You mean you're interpreting dreams? Yes, we are. You know why? A third of the Bible came through dreams and visions. A third. And almost everybody is dreaming or having dreams. In fact, everyone dreams. You may just not, you may not remember it. But God is speaking to people in the night seasons. And so what happens is you can use these video movies inside people's heads as an opportunity to speak to them about their identity. Okay? It's really, really supernaturally incredible. When I first came to Corpus Christi and I took my job as a campus pastor at my last church, as soon as I got to town, I rolled in, I got long hair, I got earrings, I'm driving a 1989 convertible Camaro SS. People thought, who is this crazy weirdo pastor coming into town? I'm drinking macchiatos, I'm ragging on Starbucks, sorry for Starbucks drinkers. And I roll into town, as soon as I get in the pulpit, I start talking about dream interpretation. And I talk about how we're gonna go to the New Age fairs and the Renaissance fairs, and we're gonna go out and set up these tables and we're gonna do dream interpretation in the streets. Somebody was there, ratted me out to the, to the pastor I was under, and said, you hired a New Age pastor. Jeremy, in fact, Jeremy and his wife are here because I interpreted a dream at the park for them, and here they are, fired up for Jesus, new baby, new marriage. Yeah, right? I remember. <clears throat> I even remember your dream in the helmet, the silver helmet, bro. I remember. I mean, that's the craziest evangelism. Well, it's crazy times we live in. Let me just tell you right now, okay? And so, so I get a call from the pastor and said, I don't ever want you to talk about dreams again. I don't want you to do any dream interpretation. I didn't hire you to do any of that. Shut the dreams down. And you know what I'm saying now? How do you like me now? <laughs> Bam. Listen, we need the supernatural coursing through our veins. The devil wants to dumb you down and make you like every other churchgoer and get you passive and half-hearted. But if you're under my watch, that's not going to happen. Because this is designed, this church is designed to build fire in your hearts and your lives and to create you into everything God has for you and to welcome the power of God and the power of Christ back into his body. Amen? So Jesus says your persecution is actually going to create an occasion. Everybody say an occasion. For testimony. Verse 14, this is what I really wanted to share with you today of all the things I've said. This one word right now I'm about to share with you is a word for all of us. Verse 14, therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Let's keep that scripture up there. It's a powerful scripture. Instead of having a mouth like a drunken sailor, now you got a mouth with the Holy Ghost. When you used to drop cuss words all the time, now you're dropping Jesus bombs all the time, okay? And you're not being weird religious about it because here's the understanding. 
Jesus says, settle it in your heart. Another verse says, don't even take any thought what you're going to say in advance. See, when I wound up going back before the same Greek judge that sentenced me to jail for a year, when I went back to that judge 10 years later, my dear friend Tor Nordstrom prophesied over me that I would stand before that judge and give my testimony. Now, I was freaked out. I was having dreams I was going to get thrown back in jail because I had lied under oath. I wasn't a born-again Christian when I went, went to trial. Remember, I got born again in prison. And so now I'm going to go back before the same judge 10 years later totally changed, and I'm going to tell this judge why he should wipe my record clean. And I stand before the judge, and the judge asked me about my life, and I had no idea what I was going to say, but the Holy Spirit grabbed my mouth, and he grabbed my heart, and he came on me, and I preached the gospel to that judge, and he started crying, and I had about 150 criminals going to prison sitting right there next to me. You could have heard a pin drop. See, what God wants you to know is that when you learn to dig deep in the secret place in advance and cultivate your identity in the unseen, then God reveals it publicly. You don't even have to worry about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. You know, my best messages come from my heart, not when I spent hours and hours and hours trying to prepare something from you. The best thing that comes out of me is who I was already yesterday. The best thing that will come out of you is, is preparing a strategy when you're weak, and God will give it to you or give it to you. Let me rephrase it. Sorry. <laughs> the best thing you do is prepare a strategy when you're strong, and God will give it to you in your week. Start to cultivate an intimate relationship with Christ now so that when the persecution and the hardship comes, you won't even worry about what you're going to say because it's already inside of you. See, you can't shift my identity. You can't tell me my experiences aren't real. You remember this. A man with an ex with an experience is never subject to a man with an explanation. You can't talk me out of being born again. You can't talk me out of being a son. You can't talk me out of the fire. You can't talk me out of praying in tongues. You can't talk me out of prophecy. You can't change who I have become because now I'm a new creation in Christ. So no matter what I face, no matter where I go, instead of me being worried or freaked out in what I'm going to say, I take no thought. You know how you can take no thought? Because it's settled in my heart. Say that, it's settled in my heart. Go back a scripture. Some of you are not settled. You're anxious. You're worried. But the only way that I could settle it in my heart now before something comes down the line is to be at rest. And I want to pray for you to have rest in your life and to learn to find the rest of Jesus now. I don't, you don't, anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, stress, all those things are not of the kingdom. Do I battle them every day? You bet because I have an everyday enemy. You have an everyday enemy, but God's given you an everyday strategy. I've been hitting this hard lately. God has given you an everyday strategy. It's called daily bread. It's called renew your mind. It's called dig deep in the word and hear his voice. It's called become a son and a daughter. It's called be confident in the power and the authority that God's given you. So now when the devil tries to come and say, look at that porn, look at that image, check that girl out, or go do this, or take this. You know, another message I almost preached today, which is coming down the line, so if you're watching online, stay tuned, is about not having improper measurements or weights in your life. Do you know that there was a law given to the Israelites to never have an improper measurement or weight inside of their bag? 
and that God despised. If you just study improper measurements and weights, God disdained it and made a law about it because it's injustice. It's corrupt. And God wants to change you from being corrupt with with unbalanced weights to bringing you balanced and healthy and to have justice in every dealing that you do. Okay? And so it's the understanding that I don't even need to try to meditate or defend myself. Jesus will defend me. The Holy Spirit will take over my mouth, take over my heart, and fight for me when I need it the most. Okay? So here's my battle strategy when I'm strong. Just do it now, guys. The persecution in America is like nothing compared to what's coming, compared to what's happening in other nations. Okay? And you better believe I'm going to pray that we don't have to suffer what they're suffering in other countries. I'm going to pray for that. I love the freedoms and the liberties that our country provides for us. I love that. I love that you have the freedoms to worship whoever and do whatever. But I want to proclaim Christ boldly and confidently now, and no matter what comes, I want to stand firm in the midst of it, so I'm developing my battle strategy. I'm developing my battle strategy. I'll give you just a couple more scriptures, and then we're going to pray, okay? First thing, settle it in your heart. Make sure it's settled in your heart. Jump to verse 19. Jesus will go on to say that all kinds of hardships happening in people's lives, family's going to come against you, but he says this powerful thing. Let's say it together. By your patience, possess your souls. What does it mean to possess my soul? My soul is my mind, my will, and emotions. God has an answer for mental illness and spinning out. So by being patient and consistent in my walk with Christ, I'm possessing my mind, my will, and my emotions. So now, when adversity and hardship comes, I'm not going to be knocked off my position because I know who I am and because I possess my soul. Possess your soul with intimacy and identity and knowing who you are. 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue what you've learned. This is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. He says, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. What we need are a people that are convinced without a shadow of a doubt and will continue in what they've been taught and will continue in their identity of who they are. And Paul would go on to challenge Timothy about his past and his grandparents parents, his grandmother and his mother, and how from the time of infancy, infancy, he knew the word. Let's teach our children the Bible now. Let's learn the word for ourselves now. Let's be fully convinced who we are in Christ. You're not just a good religious Christian churchgoer. You're a son and a daughter with power and authority to become everything God's called you to become. And God has given you talents and abilities to use for his purpose, not for your own selfish gain. Be grateful. Be thankful with what you have. Don't allow complaining to rob you of the promised land blessing that God has for you in your life right now. God has a promised land blessing for you now. The one thing that will keep you from it is not continuing, not being convinced, which in turn will lead to apathy and complaining. Got that? So no more complaining. That's for somebody. Maybe a lot of people. And no more fear. Listen, no more fear. Come on. Do you know there's millions and millions of on-fire believers just like you all over the world? All over the world, there's people just like us. You're not alone. 
And we're all fighting a fight together as an army and as a family for our children, for the generations, for legacy, for a house that's on fire, and to see a God be revealed for who he really is, okay? And so it's important for you to be convinced. It's important for you to stay consistent. It's important for you to continue on in what you've learned and to know God's word because scripture is powerful for so many things. And when you know it and use it accurately, you can drive back every deceptive lie of the enemy. Persecution is promised to all of us from God's word, but through it, we'll only get stronger. While the evil only go from bad to worse, in the midst of our faith, we get stronger every day. You kill me, and a million more is going to rise up. Martyrs have died. Great Christians have died. And guess what? Through every, every strong Christian that died, millions have raised up in their place. So no more fear. No more anxiety. No more worry. Here's your solutions. Don't be terrified. Don't be insulted. And don't take it personal. If people are insulting you and blaspheming you, it's really because of Jesus. Don't take it personal. Okay? Romans 10, Romans 12, verse 40. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another and don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Don't be terrified, everybody. Don't be insulted. Don't believe the lies. Rejoice and be glad. Stay righteous. Know you're blessed and that you have a great reward coming. See the testimony that God is giving you. Be settled in your hearts by resting. Find rest now. Don't wait for the next conference or the next breakthrough or the next church service. Stop waiting for tomorrow. You can find your rest right now, even in the midst of your mess. Say, well, pastor, you don't understand my addiction. You don't understand what I've done, how much I bombed it and failed it. No, but I understand God's word that says he trades beauty for ashes. And I understand if you'll respond right, you'll come out stronger because God's word promises it. Find rest now. Be settled in your heart right now. God will give you a mouth and wisdom by the Holy Spirit. Be patient and possess your souls. Continue what you've learned. Know the word of God. Bless those who come against you. Don't take vengeance. Vengeance is not yours. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Stay humble mentally and repay no one evil for evil. Come on. Now listen, before I have all of you stand, and let me have Candy come up. Before I have all of you stand, let me tell you why I preach this message. I preach this message because I'm seeing some and feeling some really crazy stuff happening. What I want you to know is we're a family in this. We're not going to be weird, goofy, weird religious. We're not going to go so crazy end times on you. Don't worry. But what we're going to do is we're going to understand that even in the midst of suffering and difficulty and hardship, you can become strong. Look, if, if the enemy could wipe out six million Jews through Hitler, you better believe the enemy wants to kill you too. He hates the promises of God, and he's going to do all he can to drive you back, to drive the Hebrew nation back, and we're going to stand with them. We're going to become everything God's called us to become, and even here in America, 
where we don't really have it that bad, we're going to raise our voice. We're going to vote right. We're going to love right. We're going to teach our children right. And we're going to stay fired up. Encourage your kids to dream. Remind them before they go to bed to dream dreams. And in the morning, ask them what they dreamed. Teach them to prophetically draw pictures. Teach them to read good biblical books, kids' books, the Action Bible, whatever it is. There's a great kids' Bible app, Version Bible app. Whatever it is you got to do, bring Christ into every facet of your home. Stop hanging out with the bros at the clubs. <laughs> Lay your life down. Lay your life. Stop living the way you used to live. Come on, it's a new day. Okay, ladies, ladies, God's got the right man at the right time. And you ain't going to find him at the club. I'm just telling you right now. That was for someone this morning. I'm just firing it off today. So here's what we're praying for. Anxiousness, not being settled, being afraid, worried, not being confident. It comes against all of us. And you know what? Here's what, I'm, what I want to tell you. It's okay. Don't be ashamed. You know, here's a great lie of the devil. You've been a Christian for so long. You shouldn't be acting like that. You shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't think like that. Those are demonic lies from the enemy trying to get you to give up and back down and fall into shame. Because here's what God says. Son, daughter, I haven't given up on you. I believe in you. I have a hope for you. I have a plan for you. I'm going to fight for you. You can do this. I did it. You can do it. There's forgiveness. Cry out to me. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways. And I'm going to hear you. And I'm going to heal you. God has so many promises for your life. And this morning, if you're walking in fear, here's some things that will really get you afraid. Not knowing how you're going to pay your next light bill. Been there. Having no more friends. Been there. Not knowing how you're going to pay your mortgage. Been there. Everything in the natural looks like it's never going to work and your whole life's going to sink and fail. Been there a thousand times over. I preach this message not just for the persecution factor, but to understand, settle it in your hearts. You know how many people I've prayed with and fought with to overcome and they have or fought for a job for them and they have? God didn't bring you this far to let you down now. I'd be dead if he was, if he was going to give up. God never grants you according to what you deserve. So get out of the pity party victim mentality of saying, I deserve it. Look, that's what the devil says. If you hear that thing that says you deserve it, that's classic devil. Because God says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. In fact, I'm going to bring forgiveness, life, love, and power. I'm sorry you bombed it. Let's stop bombing it. But until you can get to that spot, cry out for forgiveness and mercy. And if you're facing persecution or difficult situations because of your faith, don't even premeditate. Just become. Just become. Become who you are. I don't ever think that I'm going to, I got to work hard to be a Bendette. How many of you think you're going to work hard to be your last name? Uh, never. Instead, I trust and I rest and I learn and I listen and I become. Now, this morning, if you're going through it, we want to pray for you. If you are at a hard crossroads, if you're struggling with fear, anxiety, worry, or a brutal situation, you've come to the right place. This is what makes us who we are. We rescue the hurting and the broken, and we make no qualms about it. You can come here with mental illness, and we'll believe for your healing. You can come here with addictions, and we'll believe for your healing. You can come when your marriage is on the rocks. I've had people tell me, oh, I stopped coming because I started having marriage problems. Really? That's, that's when you really needed to come. 
So if you know you need prayer today, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to call my prayer partners up. And what I want to do is challenge you guys to respond and not take it home. You can kneel at the altar. You can sit at your seat. But we're going to have a moment. We're going to have some time. And somebody can stand with you and pray for you. You need people in your life. I need you. And you need me. We're going to do this together as a family. Amen? So let's all stand. And let me have my prayer partners.